Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Check out past episodes. We had David Allen of Getting Things Done, uh, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. There's been just some amazing guests, David, that we've had on and including yourself today. So I'm excited. Um, before I introduce you to David Brannon of Resolute Legal, CA. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Um, David, I don't know if you can relate to this, but if you've had someone out there has had the same team members asking you the same questions over and over, and maybe the 10th time you've spent explaining it, well, it's your fault. No, there's a better way. There's a solution, right? Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And I was talking to Owen, one of the founders, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations. So I'm like, oh, cool. If it's, if it's good enough for life or death situations, it's probably good enough for me. You can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team. You could sign up for a free 14-day trial. No credit cards required. You go to sweetprocess.com. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T, process.com. Today, I have David Brandon, founder and managing lawyer with Resolute Legal. It's resolutelegal.ca. They CA because they help Canadians make yes. great decisions about their disability claims. David, thanks for joining me. I'm here and I can really say that sweet process is sweet for sure. What, what's, what's sweet about it? <laughs> it's sweet. Like uh, it was responsible for me scaling up from a, a lone dude and is, you know, doing his own thing to having a real business with a bunch of employees and and uh, going from the guy trying to do everything in a crazy, you know, frantic state to someone who's actually pretty comfortable right now. <laughs> That's awesome. And, it's, and in sweet process is a big part of that. And getting it's the mindset of sweet process, not just the software. It's a mindset. We'll walk through some of the recommendations you have for people to systemize, but they should they could change their tagline, David, to loan dude to real company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Use sweet process. Yes. Um, but I want to start with your inspiration. You know, um, your inspiration behind Resolute uh, Legal, why you became a lawyer, and it's pretty pretty crazy story. It is. And so it's it kind of goes back to when I was a child in, in the, I think it was the late 80s. Uh, I was about 10 years old, and my family went through kind of a legal tragedy. It was my first real it, you know, intersection with the with the law and the legal system. My grandfather. I grew up in a in an area of of Canada that's close to Maine in the U.S. So it's fishing. My grandfather was a commercial fisherman, had his own boat, small boat, and he basically got run over by a much larger boat. Is that's probably the easiest way to say it. So he's a small kind of think of him as like the farmer who owns his own farm and has his own little thing, and then the big commercial farmer boat comes along and just runs him over. And so it it led that that led to him being injured and a whole, you know, a whole legal yeah. thing ensued after that that did not end well. I want to pause that for a second and just ask. So I'm picturing like this, and I don't know if anyone had described what did the scene look like? Did he have to like jump overboard? Like what yeah. what happened? 
Okay, so this is this is actually what happened from witnesses who were there, and then it came out in the trial. So they're anchored off. Think of about two miles offshore. They're anchored in a small, probably about uh, I would say it was probably like a twenty-four foot boat or something like that. It's the Cape Island style that you see in Maine. One of those boats. They're fishing. They're anchored. They've got nets overboard. They're fishing, and off in the distance, they see this boat coming towards them. It's a dragger vessel that fishes by pulling a big net behind it. These kind of vessels are these kind of ships and fishing is mostly outlawed now because of how destructive it was on the environment and things like that. But they see it coming and they see it coming and they're saying, what? It's not diverting what's going on. They see it coming. They see it coming. So the boat's now getting very close and they're concerned because they're, they have an anchor out. And if that boat catches the anchor, it's just going to pull their boat to the bottom, right? It's, and the suction is going to take them down with it. So they're very worried about this. Because uh, the boat, the boat coming at them is probably over a hundred feet, so it's just not even. It's not going to. It's not just going to be a collision. It's going to pull them under. So my grandfather, because he uh, is a country dude, he had a shotgun on his boat <laughs> for shooting sharks. Uh, <laughs> so he actually got the shotgun out and started shooting at the boat to alert them because his concern was they had it on autopilot and uh, they just didn't know that they were there. And so he starts taking shots at the boat as it's approaching and the boat finally, I don't know if they woke people up. There's different stories on what actually happened, but the boat diverted at the last end and just sort of, it didn't, it, it, it half pulled their boat, half pulled my grandfather's boat under, but it wasn't a complete destruction because they wow. did make a maneuver at the last minute on the other side. Jeez. And so that's how it went. And so did he have to jump overboard at that point or what? what he did didn't he, jump overboard. Yeah. Uh, at the they they kind of were holding down because they knew the whole thing was going to be sucked. So they stayed on the boat, and apparently the boat got half pulled under the water, and then the anchor line broke, and it just popped up, and that's when they kind of flew. And uh, I don't think they landed in the water. I think they stood. They landed in the boat. Uh, but that's that's the, scary. That's, yeah, yeah. I haven't. I've never told that part of the story, the shooting part of it, because that that became kind of a. You know, it was a shotgun and they did use it for shooting sharks, believe it or not. But uh, it, it was a it was a funny part of the story because it led to a whole bunch of other things that happened in his case. But uh, but that's the scene. That's what happened. And, you know, that that dra that dragger vessel wasn't supposed to be there. They're not supposed to fish inside where they were. So there was all kinds of legal things going on here. And in the legal case that went out, they basically tried to say that my grandfather was actually out further where they are allowed to fish. And they, so there became this, he said, she said. Even so, like, you're not supposed yeah. to run over another boat. Like, I don't care, I don't care <laughs> where you are. I know. But you so, you know, part of the story is like, it should have been a no-brainer, right? It was a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. and run over by another boat that you have to shoot at. Uh, and the judge had a little fun with that. Uh, that you have to shoot at to alert them to, to, to divert and lose the case. Well, they managed to lose the case. So that's wow. part of what was my motivation on why I wanted to be a lawyer and how I was going to be a lawyer, how I was going to go about it. You know, it's crazy. How do you lose that case though? Really? Well, they lost the case. And, and, and when I say lose it, they technically won. So they the judge technically did find fault with the dragger vessel, the commercial boat. Uh, but through technicalities, you know, of, of proof in trial, they weren't able to prove what their losses were. So my grandfather really came out with nothing. Like he, he lost money because he had to pay a lawyer. He didn't get any, he never right. worked again, but he didn't get compensation for any of that. So how he lost is he made a series of bad decisions. The first bad decision was the lawyer he hired. Uh, that lawyer, there's, it ranges from that he was corrupt to he was just incompetent to he did a good job. Like people have different opinions on that. 
but the lawyer did not, I don't feel it was a good representation when I look back at it now. So there were problems with he didn't bring the right evidence to court. There wasn't the right proof brought in. And, you know, the insurance company, they hired the best lawyers, the, what's still now the biggest law firm in the whole region. And they just were smarter with how things were handled. So the insurance company, you could say they lost the case because they were found at fault, but they had, they paid nothing. Right. There was no, there was no problem for them. Yeah. That's the funny terrible. part of the case that I didn't even know about, it, my grandmother, who's still alive, my grandfather's passed, but my grandfather reminded me that he actually, there was two parts of this case. There was the part where he was going after them for because he couldn't fish anymore because of post-traumatic stress and other injuries and things like that. But the part that I had, didn't, I had forgotten about is that the, the company that had pressed for him to be charged criminally uh, as a, under the Piracy Act... <laughs> Because he was shooting at them with a gun. So my grandfather actually got criminally charged as a pirate. Uh, and, a pirate? And it was a big joke. Yeah, yeah. It was under the piracy something or other because wow. he was discharging a firearm at another vessel. And anyway, the, apparently that got laughed out of court by the uh, the judge. Thought that was quite funny. Uh, my grandfather's quite embarrassed by that. He did not find any of this funny, right? He was very embarrassed about the yeah, piracy thing, even though sure. it's all the, everybody started calling him a pirate and this kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, he got off on the piracy thing, which is oh, kind of funny. Gosh. And then, yeah, he lost. So it was just bad decisions. The bad decision in hiring a lawyer, bad decision how they presented the case. Uh, my grandfather is like a very salt of the earth, honest guy. Like he, they just didn't present it well. They didn't present the right story. They didn't explain the losses well. And so if you show up to court, it doesn't matter what the truth is. If you're not proving your damages and the losses and these things in a technical way, then you will lose, even though you should win. And that's what yeah. happened in this case, in my opinion. That's that's a crazy story, David. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. But listen, now you get to help people and they exactly. get what's rightfully owed to them and, and what they should what should happen so that they can get the, you know, whatever the compensation they deserve so that they can keep doing what they're doing. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. The, uh, you know, talking about systems for a second, processes, right? You know, you've developed this story alignment method, this process. Talk about that. So the story alignment method is really the process we use to match. Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So the premise behind the story alignment method is that the way you win a legal case is you you need to present your case in a way that meets the expectations and beliefs of the decision maker. This came out of, I won't get into the details of it, but this came out of a lot of research in the US through jury trials and that this type of thing. While uh, some lawyers were asking themselves, why are good lawyers losing good cases? And it was because the way those good cases were presented was out of alignment with what the decision makers expected, believed, and the truth was what people wanted to make it. So the story alignment method is really all about aligning the story that you're telling about your case with the expectations, beliefs, and incentives of the decision maker who's going to decide your case. That, that's really what it is in a nutshell. And it's an acknowledgement of that is the fatal flaw that most people do who lose a winnable case. They're telling the truth, but they're telling the truth in a way that doesn't align with the beliefs and expectations of the decision maker. And so they will lose even though that's the truth. How do you kind of understand the beliefs and motivation behind the decision maker? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. The one way is, is there has been extensive study of this in the United States through interviewing juries, through doing uh, focus groups and the, and the type of things like that. So through that research, we know what people's expectations and beliefs are and what deep held uh, biases that people have in this kind of thing. In Canada, we don't do a lot of jury trials uh, outside of a criminal aspect, uh, criminal cases. So 
with us, we have to focus on what are the beliefs, expectations of the judges and other people who decide these cases. And, you know, a lot of this information, we just have to take over from what was in the kind of the jury research, but you kind of get a sense. Like, for example, I know if we're dealing with social security disability cases, most of the judges are former lawyers. They're going to, their expectation beliefs are going to be that you have to come with evidence that's admissible in court that I can accept as proof of your case, right? So that's one of the key things like they're going to expect and require you to present evidence that they can rely on, evidence that meets the criteria that they're allowed to rely on so they can find in favor of you. If you talk to judges, there's nothing more frustrating for them when they know the person is probably deserving, but they have not presented evidence. And so they can't decide a case on what you think is probable. You have to base it on what is before you as evidence. So that, that's a key thing is getting before them what they expect for evidence. I want to go back to what you said. Thanks for explaining that, David, because I think this applies to anyone, right? Any, any business in general is understanding the beliefs and what's expected for anyone. Um, go back to loan dude to real company for a second. Right. All right. And um, walking through what did you have to do? from loan dude, what, what processes and systems do you have to put in place to get to that real company? And first of all, how do you discover sweet process? It's a good question. Um, I, I can start with how I discovered sweet process. I was researching around and I, I came to the realization I needed to have systems. And there was a lawyer named Lee Rosen who does some teaching with other lawyers. He mentioned about sweet process. And so then I looked into it and I evaluated some other competitors and I saw this is just simple. I needed something simple, easy to use and sweet process fit the bill. So that's how I found it. Now, how do you go from a loan dude? So I was a loan dude. I started this firm out of my, literally out of my bedroom. Uh, I let, left another place, didn't have any office, that kind of thing. By, by 2016, when I got sweet process, I had built it up. Uh, I, had a, I had sort of a, a, you know, a part-time office, but no real staff there. And uh, really the difference was, was just a change in mindset. I had someone tell me probably in the six months to a year before I got the sweet process that my biggest problem and I would never be able to be successful or grow this business if I didn't get out of my own way is basically what he told me. And he said, part of that is you got to systematize things and allow people to do, you got to get your hand out of doing everything. So I got the sweet process and it forced me to really think through what are all the things I'm doing so that I can then hand it off to another lawyer because I had no other lawyers at that point. So after I got sweet process, I was able to use sweet process to hire two lawyers and put everything down that they needed to do so that they could do it. They were both brand new lawyers. They could do it. And I could focus on business, marketing, sales, that kind of stuff. What did that, I guess, <clears throat> did you have bring someone else on before using Sweet Process or you kind of, you decided to document everything first and then bring on? So no, I, I was, that's the one good move that I made is I knew okay. I needed to bring people on and I had the Sweet Process built by the time they arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And I had Sweet Process with a combination of videos, some of them embedded in Sweet Process, some not, but there's no question. Like I had a, most of it built out by the time they started. And that was what they relied on for how to do everything mm -hmm. like the legal stuff. Cause I needed to get the legal day-to-day -day legal technician stuff off my plate mm -hmm. because it was just, it, it's, it eats up all your time. There was no time to do. I couldn't even have time to think and plan it was hard enough to get the time to build those processes. And that was a lot of late nights and weekends and everything. But once I did it, it worked. It's very freeing. Pardon me? It's very freeing. Yes, it's free. You know? yes. yes. Yeah, very freeing. What did the onboard look like? Now you built this, the process, um, once you brought on that, the first or second lawyer. 
Yeah. So what I did is, so I would bring, I onboarded the lawyer. I had the sweet process. What I would actually do is I would do a Zoom call with them. Uh, I'm pretty sure we even used Zoom back then. And I would record it. So I would go through the sweet process and I'd talk about it and I'd also record it. And then they would have the video and they'd have the sweet process. And I just sort of did that with all the duties. Like I just took all the duties that I have to do as a lawyer and did a sweet process on all of them and then went through with them with a video for pre- for most of them. And then they had those sweet process to refer to, which is just a, a text thing. And they also had the video that a lot of those videos we embedded in there of me talking about the process too. So they had the two things and they ran with it. Both lawyers were able to do like all of the things. We used it for other staff as well. And that did help uh, expand their productivity with the other staff because they're not constantly asking, how do I do this? We just started doing how to do, how to do, how to do, how to, how to. We had every possible thing and we got staff. They then had to put the new how-to things in and it just sort of built over time. And now we just have a monster. You know, We're constantly updating it, but we have this huge repository now of how-to stuff, procedures. Yeah. I mean, as I talk to people, David, often what comes up is like, initially people think they have to build it all, but that's not the true. I mean, in the beginning, but people can build out their own positions, which then if someone has, they're sick or if they go on vacation, it's not all stuck in one person's head. They've built it out and you can have someone else, you know, run through the process. I love how you said you almost built a process about sweet process for sweet process. It's just, oh, we did do that. Yeah, we had yeah. a process about how to do a process and sweet process. We absolutely yeah. have that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there, uh, you know, as far as, um, the questions you had in the beginning when you're deciding, I mean, it sounds like Lee Rosen's like, Hey, you sweet process. And you kind of like went with it, but yeah. what were some of those questions you had or, um, those features that once you discovered and you started researching it were valuable for you? With sweet process. Yeah, because quite honestly, a lot of people say, well, why would I want to pay for sweet process when I can just use Google Docs and we'll just we'll just put them in a folder and this kind of thing? Yeah, that doesn't work. So what worked and what was great about sweet process is it was searchable, you could link out, and it really forced you to it forced everybody, like because we were getting other people to build it. And so it gives an a structure there that is just gonna fall apart. If you've given people a blank sheet and say document your it's everyone's gonna do it differently, it's gonna be all over the place. Sweet process really they they had it so that it, it was forced people to use like step one, step two, step three. Like it, it forced a, a, a an outline or a, or a kind of a structure on it. And that was invaluable if you're gonna hand this off. Like recently we hired a videographer for our content. And I told her, you need to build out your sweet process for everything you're doing. And I could just hand it to her and give her the sweet process on how to do a sweet process. And she's just documenting it out. I don't have to worry about, like, it forces people to follow. Yeah, what they need from you. Yeah, Yeah. and it forces them to put it in the exact way. If you just give people a blank Google Doc, even if you tell them you're supposed to do it this way, people are going to have it written all over the place. It's not going to be as easy. And with with the good thing about sweet process is it's searchable. You can uh, assign it by team member, like a position or a team. So it, you cannot overload people. They don't have to see the procedures for the whole firm. They only see the procedures that are assigned to their position or to the teams they're on. And that is actually quite good too, because it doesn't overwhelm people. Um, and you know they don't need to see everything. That's they don't need to see things that don't apply to them. Exactly. It makes it simpler that way. Uh, sometimes you, and if you want them to see it, you can just assign them to the other team so they can see the other stuff. But that way, like, for example, you may have management policies and we do have management policies that we don't want everyone seeing necessarily. These are behind the scene type of management things. Um, 
those things are only assigned to myself and other people on the management team. They're not seen by everybody. So it's things like that. Are there any other features that stick out to you that you love? Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Like, uh, honestly, the best thing they've added some new things more recently that I do love the fact that they have kind of a find your own adventure thing now where you can, if this go this way, if that go that way, that it was a really good uh, addition that I've liked recently because sometimes you do get to a decision point and if it's this, you go here and if it's that, you go there. So now they have this kind of if then, if, if then type of build that you can do in these, uh, which is great. What's an example of that? Like a, where you're at a point and you yeah choose your adventure. Yeah. So it might be that you're doing a thing and you're doing this court filing and then you get down to a point and it says, which, which uh, province or state are, is this? And then you would say, oh, this is going to be in, in you know, Nova Scotia in, or Ontario. And then you would go there and then it would, might be a little mm. bit slightly different for that. Whereas before we had to build this out and we'd have to build one for everything. Now we mm. can build one that might go 90% of the way down. And then the final two steps might just branch out and it makes yeah. it much simpler. Nice. There's like kind of a decision tree. If you choose this, then there's a little bit different process for that as opposed to the other one. Exactly. And it it just means that you can build less. You don't have to build as many because we'd had to do 10 different examples. Or if you're in the US and you worked everywhere, you do 50 for, you know, 50 states or whatever. So it's like you can now bring it down. And if there's a branch out, maybe it's only at the end for just a couple steps type of thing. That makes sense. How has it changed your typical day? Well, for me as like a business owner, as a lawyer, it just frees me up. Like I don't have to worry that things are going to be done the right way and it helps with onboarding of staff. So I'm not involved with any of that anymore. So mostly for me, it's just that I don't deal with it anymore. It's just freed me up. And I'm kind of to the point now where I don't even think about it anymore. Like I'm not dealing with any of the, I just direct people, go check out the sweet process if people have questions about things. Um, So really, you know, it allows me to focus on the few, the cases that I work on still, uh, marketing stuff and sales stuff and business, you know, business management stuff that take up the bulk of my time now. I have two last questions, Dave, before I ask them, everyone should check out resolutelegal.ca. Check out what you do, especially if you're in Canada, obviously. Um, and especially if there's something revolving around disability claims. Last two questions. One I want to ask about, and I don't know what you can share about this, um, you know, uh, interesting case. Um, interesting case that you've had in the past, and you don't have to mention names or company names, but just to give people an idea of what you do, what your company does on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And, and then we'll, we'll talk about kind of wrap up with um, your advice if someone else is thinking of streamlining operations, what they should take. But start with yep. what's um, an example like that would show people a little bit more about what you do? Yeah. So we're, we're a national disability firm. So we represent people who are doing disability claims. So a typical case for us would be someone who is unable to work because of usually a chronic disability. A big one now, believe it or not, is this is uh, syndromes that come from uh, the COVID infections and things that are going around. Uh, but, but it really can be any chronic, in any chronic condition. People are unable to work. Usually they will have applied for disability benefits and been denied and then come to us and you know, we would help them basically realign the story that they're telling, get the right evidence and work towards getting their disability claim approved. Got it. Yeah. That, that's pretty much a good, that, that's pretty much what we do on every case. The type of disability provider is different. Sometimes it's insurance, sometimes it's the government, but that's basically the template mm. of what we do. Thanks for sharing that. 
Yeah. Not as crazy story as your grandfather's story. Typically. No, 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 I'm not representing any fishermen that have been run over by big boats, but it all is all the same though. Like I took a lot of anger from that when I was younger and it made me pretty disillusioned against the legal system. Cause you can basically buy your way to victory. It seemed like, which there is some truth to that. Uh, but it did show me like, if you have the right information and you make the right decisions, you can overcome even bigger companies like that. Yeah. Um, for someone listening, like this sounds great, David, I want to be uh, you know, someone who is able to be freed up, you yes. know, um, what some of the next steps someone listening should do and take to streamline operations. So the first thing, and I mentioned this, I think I might've mentioned this at the beginning, but the first thing is you need to get the right mindset about this. And you have to understand you may be, if you're a business owner, who's overwhelmed, the first thing is you have to decide that you are going to delegate things and let things go. Some people have a hard job doing that. If you try to implement something like this without making that decision, it's not going to work. So you have to decide that you're going to do this and understand that you're going to get out of your own way. And then you have to block time. Like I used to block to get this sweet process done. I blocked half a day on Friday mornings where nothing else could be booked. And every Friday morning for a few weeks, I would just write these things. So you need to block out time, sit down and go through. Like for me, I had a checklist of list all the duties that I do. And then look at, can I build a sweet process for each of these? Or do I need to break it down further? But look at the main things that you can get off your plate that would free you up. Maybe the things you hate doing the most or the things that are the easiest to hand off. Like for me, it was easier to hand off the legal technician stuff than it was to hand off the marketing and sales thing. So I got all the legal technician stuff. That was my priority. I got that all done first. I just picked with the easiest things that I'd be able to give to a junior lawyer and just started knocking them off. And you just have to, there's no other way around it in the beginning. You, as the owner, you're just going to have to put in some overtime and just knock them out, of the, knock them out. And then once your people get going, get them to start building them. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> David, what do you tell yourself? Because I could totally see someone doing that with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Friday rolls around like, well, I have a bunch of other stuff to do. I'm wondering, what did you tell yourself in those moments? Were you saying, well, this half a day will free me up for a month? Like, what were you telling yourself? So you made sure nothing crept into that time. Well, I'll be honest with you and maybe people watching this who are in that state of their business. When you're in a frantic place in your business and you're running around, you're doing a million things, you're stressed out, it's the the money's always difficult when you're in that phase. Literally like I knew I have to do this or I'm going to have a heart attack, my marriage is going to break down. So for me there was just I knew like once you get there, that's why I'm saying you have to have that mindset. Once you decide, okay, I got to do this. For me there was just there was nobody going to get in the way of this. I had to get this stuff off my plate. And I had committed to hiring people. So I knew I had to get this stuff done because I had these lawyers starting in like three weeks or two weeks or whatever. So I gave myself that deadline and I knew that I had to get this done. But until you get to the point, many business owners through ego or through they just don't want to change, they will live in that terrible space where they're doing running around in a million ways. They're stressed out. Uh, it's financially difficult. They Some people just, they want to stay in that state, and but everyone will want to come out of it at some point, but you have to commit to coming out of it and getting processes in your, in your business is the best way to move out of that phase and onto a different phase of your yeah. business. I think there is an ego involved, like, well, no one could do this as good as I can right. do this also. Whereas when you start to, to document, it's like, well, maybe I could hand off some of the stuff that I thought was my secret sauce or even putting your secret sauce on and sharing that secret sauce with other people so they can do it you know, maybe not as good as you, but getting closer, right? Sometimes it doesn't have to be as good as you would do it because the fact that 
you might do it better, but you're, you're going to be late. Like clients will be less happy because you're, you're late because you're doing a million other things. So often it's better just to have someone who's competent at it. And it is ego. And it's, sometimes it's a fear of change. And sometimes you feel like, well, it's going to take too long to tell them. But that's the whole reason of a sweet process. You, you write it out and then you just enforce it. They have to do exactly what's in there. And if they don't want to do what's in there, then they have to tell you why. And maybe you'll amend the process, but that's, you know, it frees you up that you can now be comfortable that the business is going to run properly and things will get done. David, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, think about mindset. Um, you just have to decide. You have to have a mindset around it. I want to tell everyone, go to resolutelegal.ca, go to sweetprocess.com, check out more episodes of The Process Breakdown. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, yeah, for David. For any of you with a pirate grandfather, I'd love to hear from you. email David yeah email me with your pirate stories All right, thanks Jeremy thanks for listening to the process breakdown podcast before you go quick question do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes procedures and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job if yes sign up for a free 14 day trial of sweet process no credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk free 14 day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five star review on iTunes. That way, we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's